Welcome to the Family Finance Show with Diana Granu, proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. This podcast is your weekly guide to effective budgeting, planning, and future-proofing of your family's finances. Because money matters to every family, and every family matters at Old Mutual. Enjoy the show. My name is Diana, and this is the Family Finance Show, the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better. Every week, we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt, and investing for the future. Welcome to the Family Finance Show, and thanks so much for listening. Today, I'm speaking to someone whose real name I don't know, but we all know him as the Finance Ghost. Welcome to the show, Finance Ghost. Thank you, Diana. We're talking today about dividends and why they're an important tool for investing and saving. When I started uh, investing about 13 years ago, I never really paid attention to dividends. For one, they were a really small amount, so it didn't make any significant difference to me. And I just reinvested them whenever they were paid. Um, but these days, the, my annual dividends are around 120,000 Rand, which comes to about 10,000 rand a month, a month. So it's not enough to live off by a long way, but it really helps to contribute to household expenses. And I use them as a form of income. And actually, I only realized the value of dividends when I gave up my stable and well-paid corporate job to start a business. So in this last year, I've been really grateful for the cash flowing from my dividends. But to start with, let's just get back to basics. What are dividends, Finance Ghost? Thanks, Dana. That's a healthy dividend income. Well done. And that, that definitely <laughs> makes a difference to any, any personal uh, income statement and balance sheet. So dividends in their simplest form are basically just a company returning profits to shareholders in the form of cash. So any investment should ideally experience capital growth over a period of time. But there is also the potential to earn these dividends, which are essentially declared by the company and almost always calculated as a percentage of its profit. And each company will have a different approach to how exactly they do this. And that dividend is then paid to shareholders who are on the shareholder register um, at the date on which the dividends are essentially, essentially calculated. And why would a company pay dividends? Why give cash back to shareholders? What's in it for them? Yeah, so there's a lot of academic theory around this. I mean, at an extreme, the academic theory will tell you the dividends don't matter at all, because theoretically, if the cash remains in the company, the value of the shares is higher because it gives you a share of that cash anyway. So what is the point of paying dividends back to shareholders? But in practice, uh, there are a number of things that investors look for when they are looking for companies that pay dividends. So if you're looking at a, at a company that has a really great dividend history, it means that this company consistently generates cash profits, which makes it more valuable. It doesn't have one fantastic year and then two terrible years and then an okay year. You're looking for a nice steady tick up in dividends. It also keeps the management team focused. They can't just sit on this cash for the rest of time. They either need to return it to shareholders or they actually need to do something with it. So, you know, it has that, that useful impact as well. There's also a lot of market signaling behind dividends. So if a company is doing well, it may look to increase its dividend, even as a percentage of its profits to really say, hey, we've made this money and we think we're going to keep making it. So actually, we're going to pay higher dividends to shareholders. And typically, you'll see the share price react positively to something like that. At the other end of the spectrum, you have a company that may cut its dividends entirely. And we've seen that multiple times this year as companies elected to hang on to their cash to actually survive the horrors of lockdown. 
Now, obviously, in that case, shareholders don't mind because there's absolutely no points here for a company paying a dividend and going bankrupt the very next week. So when a dividend is cut for a reason like that, it's okay. Uh, where a dividend is cut just because a company's done badly or because it's going to start trying to do questionable acquisitions, then shareholders get a little bit nervous. So in theory, academically, dividends shouldn't really make a difference. But in practice, it's a very interesting tool for the relationship between management and shareholders. It's interesting what you say, the relationship between the share price and the dividends is actually correlate. So if the company is paying dividends, the share price could go up because um, I suppose investors might want to make a decision when they're buying shares. Would they buy shares in this company for a dividend payout or are they looking for capital growth? Is it an either or or is it a mix? It's usually a mix. Um, in some cases, it's an either or. It, it, it depends on the company. So a company that's in a mature industry and has been operating for literally decades, growth is not really what's going on there. Shareholders would typically be investing in a company like that to get a steady stream of dividends and the share price kind of goes up with inflation, uh, you know, and maybe a little bit better than that. And they, they kind of park their money there and it's a fairly low risk investment and they are happy. Obviously, a company that's got really high growth prospects, this is where you see companies trading on huge multiples. So a lot of the kind of US tech businesses and, and sort of up and coming companies with proper growth prospects, but they need cash um, to continue growing. So there you'll often see lower dividends, but higher share price growth. And typically what you'll see there is a type of shareholder is attracted to those companies. So your pension investments through institutions, they will typically look for companies that are dependable dividend payers because they need that money to pass through to pensioners. That's why it's been such a shock this year that the property industry as a whole almost fell over. You know, the real estate investment trusts are supposed to be paying dividends literally without fail, but under lockdown conditions, even they couldn't do it. So pension funds essentially love those companies because they know they're getting a solid dividend every year. The growth is not really what they're investing in. They're investing in the cash flow train. Um, growth companies are not, are not typically focused on by your sort of pension fund investors. It's, it's interesting that you say that because as I started this podcast, when I was thinking about dividends in my own life, I've never used dividends as a form of income. But when I, I've recently started to use dividends as a form of income, it, it makes you think about the kind of companies you're investing in and where the dividends are an important part of, part of, of your strategy. So if you wanted, for example, you had an income objective for your investments. You didn't just want capital growth or growth. Um, you wanted uh, dividends to pay out so that you could have some kind of in, in, uh, income, whether you're a pensioner or not. Um, how would you go about selecting those kind of uh, companies? What kind of companies pay high dividends? You said tech, tech companies generally don't. Are there certain companies that pay high dividends? Yeah, so some tech companies do, of course, when they get to the top of their game, they absolutely do. As they are growing, they typically don't. They hang on to cash. So what you're looking for in a, in a strong dividend payer is a company that has a really dependable cash flow profile. So it's been going for a while. Um, it's got an entrenched business with a strong market position that you would be able to say is probably going to continue into the future with some certainty. You're looking for companies that genuinely convert their income into cash because, of course, revenue it's not necessarily the same as coming out the other end with free cash flow available to pay out to shareholders. Um, property companies are a favorite for income funds because the whole structure of real, real estate investment trusts is that the company kind of acts as a conduit. It basically sits, runs a whole lot of leases, makes property investments, and you know then just kind of passes that cash through. 
So you typically see REITs trading on, in normal circumstances, obviously not, not 2020, you would typically see dividend yields of somewhere between kind of 6.5% for the bigger, bigger ones up to maybe 10 or even 11% for the property small cap. So that's a really healthy dividend yield that you would be buying that share on. And the dividend yield is just calculated as the dividend divided by the share price. So it's the yield you would actually get on your money when you when you buy those shares. Most operating companies, so sort of outside of the property arena, would be paying dividend yields that are much lower. So you might see only 1%, 2%, maybe three or four. You won't really see much higher than that uh, usually. Then you need to start to get into the, the property companies. You um, Before we started this podcast recording, you g- gave me some examples of, of companies paying dividends, low dividends, this scheme recently. And what are some of the reasons why a company who had previously paid out quite high dividends, well, I'm not sure if they were high, but why would they reduce their, their dividends, like in the case of Diskem right now? Yeah, so Diskem's decided to hand on to their money and not actually pay a dividend in their latest results. And the reason is that they want to use the money for something else. So even though their performance was okay over lockdown and they, they did all right despite everything, they've decided that they want to go on an acquisition spree. So you have a situation where Diskem has a very mature business, a very strong business. They're very focused on your large malls. Everyone knows who Diskem is. But obviously, there are only so many large malls in South Africa. You know, we have a whole lot of smaller centers. We have a whole lot of independent pharmacies operating. We have other ways that Diskem could make money off its existing footprint. And they've identified these potential areas for growth. So at the moment, they are in the process of trying to buy Baby City. It's sitting with the Competition Commission currently for approval. And they've also identified a chain of pharmacies as yet unnamed. But in an interview, I saw the CFO note that it's up to potentially 50 pharmacies in that group that they're looking to buy. They're also looking to acquire a medical insurance business that would give a cheaper alternative to traditional medical aid. And they would obviously look to push that into their pharmacy client base. So these are positive examples of why a company might cut its dividend because it wants to hand on to the money to rather go and make acquisitions. However, if you look at the share price uh, last week when this was all announced, uh, Discam's share price did not do well, despite the overall market having one of its strongest uh, weeks, in, I think, ever, actually. It was like the fifth strongest week on the JSE. So it just shows how the market gets a little bit nervous when management teams start to hang on to cash and pursue acquisition strategies. I mean, the, probably the worst example, or one of the worst examples of that would have to be Famous Brands, which was a dependable dividend payer for years, was doing so well, and then went on on this grand plan to go and expand into the UK. They bought Gourmet Burger Kitchen, and it's been a disaster from start to finish. So that's where investors get a little bit worried. They sometimes just want management teams to stick to their knitting. Um, and then you'll see pension funds will sometimes be forced to switch out of companies that stop paying dividends and put their money into companies that are paying dividends. And that's where you can see the short-term dropping the share price. Obviously, if Discam creates shareholder value long-term, then who cares about one dividend? You know, you'll be, as a shareholder, you'll be looking to what they're doing and saying, okay, great, I like that, or I don't. I have a five-year view on this company, and I'm happy to forego this dividend if it means they go and deliver their strategy. Yeah, very interesting. I was actually, as you were talking, I was thinking about on a very micro level, micro, macro level, my own company. So, uh, my company generates revenue, and if I want to take that revenue out of the company, I can take it out as as dividends. Um, but specifically in my situation now, as a very very small and new company, 
I haven't paid dividends because I feel like it's important to keep that money in the business for growth, for marketing, for all the expenses. So it's right now very important for me to keep the cash in the business. But I can see as companies grow, and obviously we're talking on the JSC, very large companies, very established. It's, it's also probably a similar thought process that the management would go through when they're deciding to pay dividends to shareholders or keep it to spend on whatever costs they've got to run the business, um, including acquisitions, as you mentioned. So yeah, it's, it's interesting how something on a very micro level that I experience is also the same kind of things that people think about when they're thinking about top 40 shares in the JSE, for example. Absolutely. Yeah, many of those lessons in our own lives can just be scaled up and, and they're reasonably applicable to big companies. And it's sometimes easier to think of them on the micro level because then they, they're less complex. The, the decision making is, is much easier compared to when you've got so many moving par- parts as one of the JSC top 40 companies, for example. Okay, what about the role dividends should pay, play in a personal investment strategy? Should someone be looking for income, capital growth, um, should you be reinvesting your dividends so that you can accelerate compound growth or should you withdraw them as income? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so let's start with reinvesting of dividends. So obviously this needs to tie into whatever your personal financial plan looks like that you've you know developed with your financial advisor. It depends very much how, how far you still have to go until retirement and all that kind of thing. What you might need cash for, kids, university, the whole shebang. So obviously this is very general thinking, but at the end of the day, reinvesting of dividends is important because if your long-term wealth creation plan involves investment in equities, then you should be taking your dividends and reinvesting it in equities because that's the best place to put your money. So on that basis, you know that, that's a relatively easy one as, as a general rule of thumb is, is reinvest your dividends. Uh, you know, Looking for companies that pay dividends specifically to your investment strategy, it really depends. So as you're getting closer to retirement, again, your financial advisor may you know, switch you into funds that are more income focused. So they may have a higher proportion of property companies, for example, or just more mature established companies that pay dividends, which is why it's such a shock when sometimes the biggest companies on the JC cut their dividend. It really hits the pension funds quite hard, actually. Um, you know, when you're younger, then you don't necessarily need to be that worried about dividends. It doesn't mean that it's not an important part of the investment strategy. I quite like dividends because it just shows that a company is allocating its capital properly. Um, you know, it's really interesting to see Process doing a massive share buyback at the moment. It's quite surprising because Process is a growth company. I mean, you would expect that with an international listing as the, comp- you know, the holding company that sits between Nasdaq and Tencent and holds a whole lot of international tech investments in the classified space, etc., you would imagine that they should be seeing strong acquisition opportunities practically on a daily basis, and yet here they are returning a lot of cash to shareholders. Um, of which I am one, which hasn't necessarily been my best investment in recent times, but it's one of those things. So that's quite surprising. You know, there, there's an example of a company, I'm not sure I want them to be doing big returns of capital to me because it, it almost tells me that they aren't sure what to do with the money, as opposed to me seeing it in a positive light of, okay, great, I'm, I'm getting some money back. You know, at the other end of the extreme, or the other extreme, you have a situation like Saudi Aramco, which is the, the oil interests of the Saudi government. Um, it was the first company ever to hit a $2 trillion market cap. It's retreated a lot since then. But they are currently paying enormous dividends at the moment just to prop up the Saudi government, even though it's actually, their free cash flow doesn't actually cover the dividends that they are currently declaring. 
So, you know, if that was a normal company in inverted commas with a whole lot of private shareholders in South Africa, they would be up in arms about this crazy dividend strategy. But the reality is that that company is controlled by the Saudi government and they, they need the money. They genuinely need it from their oil interests. So dividends are really complicated and in, including them in an investment strategy in and of itself is tricky. Um, it really does depend on your specific needs as an investor. But for me, I just look at whether or not a company is a dependable uh, source of cash, what management is doing with that money. And obviously, if, income, or if, or if earnings are going up, you would hope to see the dividend ticking up over time as well, which props up the share price over an extended period. Yeah, as you say, it's an important indicator of the health of the company. So something to look out for whether you want to use the dividends as an income or not just indicates the health of the company. In my experience, like early on, I just reinvested all those dividends and it just adds to that snowball effect of, of compound growth. So I really liked doing that. Actually, in some of my investments, I had it automatically reinvesting so that that money never came into my account and um we did an earlier episode with Sam Beck-Bessinger on the power of compound growth. And if you can just keep adding, then over time that really that snowball really builds up and dividends can be part of making that bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And so lastly, uh, um, the last question on dividends that I have is, how do dividends from companies listed in an exchange-traded fund work? So an exchange-traded fund, for those who don't know, is a basket of shares that comprises of a whole lot of different companies. Let's take, for example, the Satrix 40 or whichever, whichever exchange-traded fund you want to. It's uh, made up of a whole lot of companies. Now, how would dividends work in that case? Yeah, so the back end would, would no doubt be quite compli complicated on that. But essentially, the dividends will flow through. So if you've invested in an ETF that is more focused on dividend income, and such products do exist, they specifically target indices that have high dividend payers in them, then that dividend from all those underlying companies, your little share of that dividend will eventually just flow through to you. So you're not losing out on dividends by investing in ETFs at all. You are participating in, in the full joy of being a shareholder in those companies, you know, in accordance with your little percentage of them. So ETFs are a handy way if you are looking for high dividend payers. You can go and see what ETFs are available in that space. You can even see what indices they track. And then if the information is publicly available, which it isn't always, you can sometimes go in and see which companies are in those income funds or in those income indices. Same story with the largest asset managers. You can go and check out their fact sheets for their income funds and go and see what the underlying companies are that are actually propping up those, those dividends and see if you feel like investing in them either directly yourself or via an ETF or a unit trust or, you know, whatever the case may be. It, it typically all just flows through. My last question is a question that I ask all the guests on the show. And I know you've got a, a mini ghost, a recently, recently born mini ghost. So I don't know if you've had enough time to really think about this question. But the question that I ask all my guests is, um, what is the one piece of financial advice that they would like to um, pass on to their children? Yeah, it's a great question. And yes, indeed, there is a, there is a mini ghost who's coming up for seven mm -hmm. months old. So luckily, he has, uh, he has easier problems in this world at the moment than worrying about his money. <laughs> I think the financial advice I'll give him one day, and which I generally just give to people as well, financial tip is, is more than anything else, just know where your money is coming from and where it's going. I think far too few people are on top of that. They just don't understand where they are spending their money. And if you don't know where you're spending your money, then how can you possibly work out 
how much of it you should be investing and what you should be doing with it. You're just flying without any data whatsoever. So I always say to people, just do the best household budget that you possibly can and at least get your head around how much you are earning, which is usually the easy part, and where you are spending it, which is usually much harder. There are clever apps that let you do this. It uses your credit card statements. It categorizes the transactions for you. And then you can actually form a proper view on how much you are really able to invest. And from there, I would then also just say read as much as you can. That's probably the best advice, financial and otherwise, is just read everything. It's, it's too easy to rather shy away from topics that you don't necessarily understand. And that for me was the... Um, the reason why I started the finance ghost is because I wanted to take complicated financial concepts and actually explain them in, a, in an easy way that people can understand and actually learn something from and then take more control of their money. So that, that for me would be the advice. Have a budget, know how much you're spending, and with what you have left, read as widely as you can to identify the best possible opportunities for that money. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here on the show as well, make complex uh, concepts quite simple, because really at the end of the day, all you need to know is, is very easy to understand. It's, it's the implementation that's, that's quite hard. Um, but thank you so much uh, for your time today on the podcast, Finance Ghost. It's been great chatting to you, and thanks for sharing your insights on, on dividends and everything related to dividends. Thank you, Diana. It's been great. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being. Thank you for listening to the Family Finance Show with Diana Granu, proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. The time is now to own your financial future. Visit oldmutual.co.za for more great advice, articles, free budgeting tools and calculators, or to find a financial advisor. We'll be back next week.